Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Shreya, and I hope you're doing well wherever you are. I'm, I'm also doing pretty well. I've been thinking a lot about the looming recession a lot more recently, um, which is a kind of a dark thing to kick off with, but it's what's been on my mind. And as of now, it's still hotly contested by analysts and everyday people. If we really are already in a recession, if it's coming or if it's not as bad as people say. And I think having been like five to seven years old during the last Great Recession, I didn't really know what had even happened. My parents um, and many others of young parents of young children did a really good job of keeping up appearances and making sure my sister and I had everything we needed. Um, so I never really felt it, even though, you know, now that I talk about it with my parents, um, they can share a lot about their hardships. But now that I make money and I'm swiping cards, I can frickin' feel it. <laughs> Everything's overpriced um, and government officials and news outlets and everyone's talking about it. And the only real marker of um, a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, which the U.S. just announced is true of the last two quarters. Um, But a lot of people debate whether this is, you know, this constitutes a recession or is more just a red flag slash, um, you know, warning of a recession. Um, But fear not, I am no, no economist And I can't even really say that I'm good at econ, so I'm not going to try and give you my takes on the macroeconomic conditions of the country. Rather, I want to talk about what all the loom and doom talk of the recession has made me do. Among many things, um, naturally, it's made me start freaking out about my career path. Granted, I already do a fair amount of freaking out about my career without the dark cloud of a recession, even in the picture. And yeah, it's made me think about how much security matters if the job economy isn't so great when I graduate. And the entertainment and media industry, which I have decided that I want to work in, just these industries are not ones that are known for, um, you know, giving return offers right out of college um, and that sort of thing, which is really cute. So now that I'm more stressed about this, other than also stressing you out potentially with this podcast. Another thing I do is when I scroll and switch between social media, now I pull up LinkedIn job postings and scroll through them like they're Greek vacation photos on my Instagram feed. And I freaking hate that. And what's even worse than you know mindlessly scrolling through jobs that I'm underqualified for is having networking calls with people. And I feel like I'm being a little weenie business school student, but, you know, having been a weenie business school student, you know, they tell you right off the bat that you got to build your network. And I get it. That's pretty sound advice. At least I feel that way. Because getting to know people who have internships and jobs that you're interested in can definitely help you have more insight about like the interview process and You know, you can understand more details about the role itself because a lot of times job descriptions are awfully vague or confusing um, for you to truly understand what your day-to-day job would be like. 
and you know talking to these people you know maybe they can even talk you up um to whoever is hiring you if you make a good impression or maybe they're the person hiring you personally I think that when you have calls with people to understand more about a certain program they've they've done um, a job title that they've held a university they attend or you know their overall career journey you really can learn a lot and I think that's wonderful it's educational and I really don't think that's just for business school kids I think everyone in every field medicine law engineering anthropological research fashion journalism everyone can benefit from learning how a certain industry works from people who are within that industry and like what type of opportunities are out there and I think if your career is a top priority for you in life it's especially relevant and even more if you don't grow up with a bunch of family members in the industry that you want to work in anyhow I'm a person who really likes talking to strangers like I love it and it and if you know me, you probably know that. But it's such an integral part of my personality that I wrote my Common App essay about it. And get this, I also wrote my sophomore year speech and debate original oratory speech about it too, in case I haven't mentioned speech and debate in every episode thus far. I even gave a TED Talk about it for my high school. And I'll save you the trouble of looking up that TED Talk. I'll play you a clip of it right now. I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I did know where my general interests lied. I knew that I liked business because I liked working with people, and I knew that politics and government interested me. But whenever people ask me the proverbial, what do you want to do with the rest of your life type question, I would always give them my general interests, and they would always you know, answer with, business and politics are all about networking, and you just got to know the right people, and you got to make connections. And I understand, but the general implication was that you had to meet these people that were successful in the business world, in the political world, with the purpose of getting somewhere. And like I said, I understand because you know you have to work with your boss, your colleagues, and those type of people to get somewhere. But I didn't like so much the idea of faking interest in someone else's story, uh, their career, so it could help you get somewhere. Because I always thought what was so interesting about meeting new people was that you got to learn a new story. You got to hear a new perspective. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I've forgotten how I, like, the tone of voice that I developed and maintained from doing speech and debate. It's like I used to sing all of my words, and I think a lot of people do that. Um, but what a starry-eyed little cutie I was. Um, a little cringe, I admit, but um, it happens. I mean, I don't even know. I, I guess one thing, my one of my immediate reactions is, I think I say, I knew that I wanted to do business because I liked working with people. Like, girly pop, if that's your rationale for wanting to do business, like, get a better reason, please. <laughs> um, I don't even feel like that was the reason. I feel like I just wanted to travel, but um, interesting. I feel like I'm somewhat obligated to prove to you that I wasn't so dramatic my entire speech. I will say I did give my speech and my sing-songy voice for like the entire portion. Um, but here's here's evidence of people laughing during my speech um, or my TED talk. Um, 
I feel like as a speech and debate person or anyone who has ever given a speech, it's just the biggest ego boost in the world when you can get people to laugh. Like you're like, frick, I did that. <laughs> I should just start inserting that in my videos or my podcast because it sounds so much like a laugh track um, to give myself my uh, much needed ego boost. <laughs> Um, anyways, for context, I was 17 when I gave that TED talk. Um, and I know that I really did love talking to strangers. Um, my Myers-Briggs type indicator, um, I'm an ENFJ for context. Um, the E in it, which is my extrovert, you know, versus my introvert, um, is so heavily skewed extrovert. It's like 92% extroverted versus 8% introverted. And knowing how much I loved and still love talking to strangers and like any sort of new people in my life. Um, I hate to tell past me this, but I've done a lot of calls over the past three years that have increasingly begun to feel very transactional. And the reason I think they've become something I dread versus something that at one point got me a little excited and nervous is that there's this amounting pressure now to make a perfect impression um, on a very brief 20 to 30 minute call. And what it used to be is like I would talk to strangers spontaneously on a flight or in a public restroom or randomly while waiting in line or the corner of some sort of social gathering. Um, and they tell me cute little factoids about their life or I'd get their entire life story. And I wouldn't really give a diddly darn about whether they were judging me or not. Uh, and I didn't care whether I had or whether the other person had a perfect first impression of me. All I really needed them to know was that I was not a bad person and all was well in the world. And having more and more conversations like this, I felt at the time I could collect my own little Humans of Shrio world book in my head, which was lovely. and A bestseller, if you will. <laughs> And, and while I do love to talk in these conversations with strangers, I had no intentions of trying to prove myself or make sure that they knew about a certain thing or a certain aspect of my life. And sometimes that personality trait didn't always serve me the best. I remember I had an interview um, for a very prestigious university when I was going through the college app cycle. And my interviewer was just like the coolest man I'd ever met. Um, and he had grown up all his life traveling because his parents' jobs were always changing. Um, and he started college at this at said university. Um, and then he served a mandatory stint in the South Korean military, um, met someone he wanted to start a business with um, while he was in the military. So they did that afterwards. Um, and he did that for a couple years. And he was like, you know what? I can only run a, I can run a business my whole life. I can only go to school once. And so then he came back to school. And then he did a bunch of other amazing, fantastically cool things. Um, and, you know, during an interview, it's your chance to really brag about yourself or at least add some more vibrancy and color to your application. But all I did for like two thirds of this interview was ask him questions about himself because I was so fascinated. OK, I feel like maybe one third of the interview, he talked about himself, one third I talked about myself. And then the last third where I was supposed to ask him questions, you know, probably about the university, I asked him about himself because, again, I was really fascinated. And shocker, shocker, I didn't get into this university for many reasons, <laughs> but this was probably one that didn't help my case because he left the interview maybe knowing that I live in Ohio, that I'm interested in 
language business and politics and I'm a curious little cat like I think that's all he knew about me and I obviously know that spontaneous fun conversations are quite a bit different than interviews or networking calls um but putting aside interviews you know which are their own beast I suppose I just wish I didn't feel so negatively before during and sometimes after depending on how um how they go about networking calls and I really feel like it wasn't always this way because at the beginning of college when I was just beginning to understand formally what a networking call was and you know why they're important and how to make them meaningful I actually really loved it like I think they definitely made me nervous but um, I definitely had my very sing-songy 17 year old energy um, that you heard on my TED talk And of course, when I began to have networking calls with people in media and entertainment industries, I was a bit nervous, like I said, because I didn't want these big dog professionals to think I was an idiot, but I was still eager to learn so much about what they do and, um, and it was fine, essentially. And sometimes 30 minutes is just really quick, so it felt curt at times, but I actually used to hear more about who the person was, um, you know, what, what they cared about, um, what hurdles they overcame to get where they um, currently are. And it was very story driven. But, you know, from now to that point, there has been a large ideological shift. Um, Not necessarily intentionally, it's just kind of happened to focus more on what's coming, which is college gradually getting closer and closer to an end and the corporate world getting closer and closer to swallowing me up. And now, in a short half hour, I feel like I don't just have to think about, um, you know, did I have some interesting questions prepared and did I learn something? I have to worry about, did I get to speak to my background and experiences enough? You know, when is a follow-up call going to be? Is a follow-up call appropriate here? Is it going to be helpful to me? Did I woo them in some sort of way? Or are they going to remember me when I apply to this job at this company? Um, And did I get another connection out of this call? Like, are they going to refer me to someone? Are they going to refer me for this job? Like, do I have a typo in my thank you email? And did I send it within a reasonable amount of time? Um, And so on and so on and so on. And I feel like I have all these things running around in my head, like the little SpongeBob's with the filing cabinets on fire, as I referenced many times um, throughout my other episodes, which is a plug. You should go, you know, listen to my other episodes because how would you know if these references unless you watch Spongebob or you listen to my episodes, which I argue you should do both. Getting back to what I was talking about, I feel like with all these things that running through my head, I pay way less attention to the part that would have once been most interesting to me, which is this person's story. And, you know, at this point, the call just becomes very transactional. And I really don't want them to be that. Like, that's not my intention. My intention is not, oh, person, I want to talk to you just because... I don't care about you as a person. I just like want this job like that, that I think when I went into this process, that was never my intention. And I don't think it is now today either. It's just, it feels like you have to get something out of these calls. And for some reason you just learning about a job can't, it can't just be that. Like the other day I had a call with this incredible, incredible woman who is of South Asian descent and has a super high up role um, at an up and coming film production company that is, um, you know, 
being built up by a renowned actor and she really has a incredible background in the film industry and I was really lucky that somebody who I knew introduced me to this woman and let me preface the story by saying this company is still very early stages and they only have four people including the person that I talked to um, so I'm definitely not going to be working here you know it's they're building something incredible from the ground up um, and they're not really looking to hire people and I'm not graduating, so I'm not looking for a full-time job yet. Um, yeah, prefacing done. Um, but the goal of this call was not to any way, in any way, get somewhere. It was purely to learn about this woman's career. And I know sometimes we have calls that are more focused on like, what's the interview process? Like, you know, how, how can I get a job <laughs> type thing? But this wasn't that. But during this call, like, you know, I learned a lot about her story and her journey, which was great. But by the end of the call, um, all I was really freaked out about was like, oh, I didn't get to say enough about myself. Like, she doesn't know that I'm qualified. Like, why does that even matter? It doesn't matter whether I'm qualified. She's not evaluating me in some sort of way for something. I mean, maybe she is, but I don't know. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, I sounded so stupid. Like, this person must think I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about, which, you know, rightfully I probably don't. But still, I just got so angry at myself that I felt like crap. And then, then after this call, I happened to drop my AirPod in between the platform and the subway. So it disappeared forever, but just one of my AirPods. And so I just had a colossally horrible day, but like I was already in a crabby mood because of this stupid stupid reaction I had to what normally just should have been like a learning informational call but I think when we've I won't refer to everyone but when I have gotten in this mindset of like I have to prove myself in some sort of way like even when I have nothing to prove I I just get really in my head and end up really unhappy and feel like yeah these calls become transactional And another slightly more trivial reason I find networking calls difficult um, is the advice portion. And I think, you know, when you're on the phone um, or on a Zoom with a professional that you look up to in any way, you're kind of setting up the call to learn from them, but also just to get advice. And it's almost a rite of passage, of course, that this professional that you're on the phone with... um, or on a Zoom with, was once in your shoes, seeking out advice from other people. And now they get to give it to you. So they're giving back and sharing their wisdom. And principally, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think getting and giving advice is really important so that people don't gatekeep certain professions and life paths, which I've definitely seen. Um, Maybe there's just certain people like that in every industry. But... Yeah, I think advice is great, but I generally bucket the advice that I receive into two different categories, one being tactical advice and the other being general open-ended wisdom. I find tactical advice really helpful, and personally, I welcome it. And what I mean by tactical advice is something nitty and gritty that I would need to know to better my skills, study more effectively, Um, understand an interview process better or really make myself stand out and um, 
some examples of tactical advice um, in my life. One time I was interviewing for something and I reached out to somebody who had had this role um, and she gave me a bunch of useful information about the interview process and who would be my interviewer. And she was like, oh, by the way, they asked me to name five of the nine Supreme Court justices. And I don't know if it'll be the same for you, but just something to keep in mind. And lo and freaking behold, I got asked that exact same question. And maybe at the time I would have been able to answer that. Probably not. But even if I could, I definitely would have been a lot slower. Um, I can answer that question today with confidence. (laughs) Um, But anyways, another example of tactical advice is one time I talked to my youth idol in the entertainment business field. Um, She went to a different university, but, you know, she was really willing to help me navigate the entertainment business. And she told me, you know what? You should apply to this program that I was a part of. It helped me land XYZ internships. I think you'd be a great fit. Here's a link to apply. Here's the deadline. Here's what it's all about. And that was super helpful and I am now a part of that program and it has certainly helped me a lot. Um, I just find tactical advice to be anything that is actionable and actually helpful. Um, And on the flip side, I find general open-ended wisdom not super helpful and confusing and not necessarily even inspiring um, and also vague. In general, open-ended wisdom, how I define it, is, you know, when you ask someone for advice and they tell you things like, just slow down and have fun. Don't sweat the little things. It's all going to work itself out and you'll be just fine. You just have to be in the right place at the right time. If I could go back in time, I would stress less. What you're already doing, just keep doing it. And when I'm talking about these vague pieces of advice, I'm referring to them in the context of networking calls because sometimes when you're feeling down or lost, um, you don't really need someone to fix you and tell you exactly what you need to do. Sometimes you just need someone to soothe you and say affirming things like, it'll work itself out, Um, you're doing great. But I think the reason open-ended wisdom is confusing for me is that everyone really bases it off of what they think they could have done different or what worked well for them. Um, And their life circumstances and the decisions they made might be completely different from you. Um, So that advice like isn't relevant or helpful um, at many times, a lot of the times. Like if you ask someone in college who was really not engaged with their studies or professional life and mostly partied all the time and had to scramble when they graduated, they might tell you something like, oh, you know what, have fun, but it's important to prioritize your future and make sure you work really hard. Whereas if you ask someone who was on freaking top of it all the time but was peak stressed, they're going to say something like, take time to enjoy college because it goes fast and I wish I hadn't been so caught up in work, work, work all the time. Um, It's like the typical high school valedictorian speech. And I feel like that's more advice they would have given their their younger self um, looking back, but not really advice for the person that they're talking to. Um, And I think the hard part when you're trying to recruit and listening to 100 different people telling you what you should and shouldn't do, it's really not a one-size-fits-all. And you 
at least I feel like I have to disassemble people's advice and their situations to understand what's actually applicable for me. Um, Or, you know, I just have to completely disregard it because it doesn't apply to me at all. Um, And otherwise, I just drive myself mad. I was at a career event in New York City with a friend last week and the panelists who are all these incredible top execs at these super cool companies were, you know, giving advice as people who are very successful and at the top tend to do. And a lot of them said, you know, if you have a dream role at a dream company, just be very, very well researched and keep reaching out um, and about that specific role and why you want it and keep going at it. Um, And I actually feel like if you're having networking calls when you know exactly what you want, really can feel genuine. Um, And the reason I think that is because if you're really invested in a certain type of work at a certain organization, you'll want to know everything. And your curiosity and passion will certainly show when you're, you're setting up networking calls and things like that. But personally, I think that's pretty hard when you're early on in your career because you don't know exactly what you want to do. Um, At least I certainly still don't. Um, You have general ideas and directions and like, you know, this is where I'd like to be, but, um, you know, I don't think there's a perfect role that I know for myself that I'm going to love and this is exactly what I want to do at this exact organization because that's like, that's hard to come up with um, when you haven't experienced it. And it takes time and experience, like I said, to truly know what exactly you want to do. And I feel like with myself, beggars can't be choosers. And in this economy, I'll take what I can get. So I feel like when I'm talking to so many different people to make sure I'm giving myself um, ample opportunity um, and inevitably talking to so many different people, doing a wide variety of little things, um, you can't be so specific and know everything when you talk to someone. Um, And so you know, the conversations don't feel always genuine because you have a lot of different things going through your head. Um, But, I mean, can you blame yourself for that? Usually at the end of these episodes, after like 20-some minutes, I try to give parting words of advice. Um, Usually something actionable and at least tactful. Forget the word that I used. Um, Anyways, at the end, but I don't really have anything here. I'm still trying to figure out what works for me um, and how to set myself up for success while not losing sight of my desire to actually learn from people and hear their stories and not make things transactional and icky. And also how to decipher what advice is actually relevant to me and um, what to kind of take and Um, appreciate but really tuck away in my back pocket because it doesn't apply to me whatsoever and I wonder if other people feel the same way because I've thinking about I've been thinking about this quite a lot um but you know feel free to let me know in a review a text an Instagram DM or wherever else your heart desires but all I have to say is good luck Shreya and everyone else in this not so bright looking economy My name is Shreya. I host and produce this podcast and I want to say thank you so, so much for listening and for putting up with the insufferable amount of times that I use the word like. The show art was created by the talented Thea Sony. Her Instagram handle is in the show notes, so check it out. 
And that's pretty much all I have to say for now. <laughs>